0: Good morning, everyone. Nice to see the people that go to the second service that I haven't seen since we were in one service and back about eight or nine years ago. I'm Joel. Welcome to our family and guests that are here today. Uh, This is kind of an interesting place to be because the message I'm going to share with you today is from James, and it's verses 1 through 15. Now, as I'm standing up here, I'm kind of thinking about what our original plan was for today, and Jesus, our God, has ways of changing your plans a little bit. Uh, We're going camping right after this service. Yesterday at about 5 o'clock, we decided we'd go camping before this service. (laughs) Look who's here. (laughs) Uh, I've got to tell you, it's quite a uh, joy to be here, and the message is about joy in our trials. Now, let me tell you how I receive this message. This is probably, in a way, one of the biggest trials that I could ever have, because it's my job to share God's word, and only God's word, and not my opinion. And if you know me, I <clears throat> I have a few opinions, and I oftentimes won't let you get away until you hear them. So today, we're going to read James 1, 1 through 15, uh, the Bible that you have in the chairs in front of you are not the Bible that I'm using. I use a King James Bible, and it's kind of like putting on a warm coat. When you have your own Bible, you you seem to feel something special. And when we go through the Bible that's in the, in the pews in front of you, or the chairs in front of you, oftentimes my Bible has other words. And so we're going to You'll hear, if you read that Bible along, it'll be pretty close, but some of the words in my Bible will be a little different. Mine is the New King James. Um, One other thing I wanted to share with you is uh, I had prepared this message, uh, or started preparing this message about uh, two or three months ago when we were seeing that Ben was going to be leaving, and uh, I thought God was calling me to offer my uh, uh, service to the gunner in the event that he wasn't going to be able to be here. I didn't expect it quite this soon. And I blame it on my wife. (laughs) You can always blame things on your wife when they're not there to defend. I mean, she's there to defend herself, but she's not going to stand up and go, that's not true. (laughs) So real quickly, on Thursday, Gunner was talking with Judy and said something about making it through the Christmas Eve service. And Judy made some remark, which was something to the effect, well, we'll see if you make it Sunday. And so last night at 9 o'clock, Anna called and asked me to to be here this morning. And Gunnar apparently said, well, Judy told me I was going to be sick. Call Joel. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are. Uh, I'd like to pray before we start the message and... Uh, We'll see where it goes. One thing, there's a good chance we won't make it to 15 because uh, wherever the Lord leads this message is where I want it to be. I don't want it to be I've got to get to verse 15. So if we stop before then, uh, don't be surprised. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I was so nervous about being up here because I'm speaking your word, Lord, and I want it to be truly your word. And I've asked for the Holy Spirit to enter me, and I'll tell you what, for this moment right now, my, my voice is a little shaky, but I'm comfortable, Lord, because I know you. And I'm just going to try to share with everyone here what you would have us to hear today. I ask that our hearts would be open, our minds would be open, and that we would be blessed by this message, and that as we go through the coming year, that we would Continue to look to your word, which is the truth, Lord, and let it help fill us throughout the year that comes before us through trials and joys. I ask that you will always be the focus of our life. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, James. Now, this is an interesting book. James, according to what the scholars say, believe uh, was probably James the brother of Jesus, James was a very big leader in the uh, Jewish Christian church. He'd been involved with it for 30 years. And what happened was uh, he wrote this letter to uh, the people, to the 12 tribes that had been spread out as the Jews that were becoming Christian were being persecuted. It ended up that he felt he needed to send them an encouraging letter. And so James... in uh, in reality, is one of the martyrs of the disciple of the Christian Church. He was a leader in the Jerusalem Church, and uh, he was trying to help win other Jews to Christianity. And just about the time he wrote this, around A.D. 60, just a little bit after he wrote this, um, there was Ananias, one of the leaders of the uh, one of the high priests had challenged James that he wanted him to admit that uh, Jesus was not Christ, but that he was. Um, he wanted him to admit it at the temple in front of the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin, for those of you that don't know what that is, that's the Pharisees and Sadducees when they meet together in council. And so what happened was he refused to do that. And as a result, they took him and they stoned him. And after he was, as he was being stoned, there, a historian believes the accounts of it, a 2nd century historian. There was some uh, information about sec, uh, that a historian was doing. And he found that somewhere in there they said that as he was being stoned, he was on his knees and he was praying. And he was praying what Jesus had said, forgive them for they do not know what they do. And so his trial ended in death. But actually, it ended in life, as we all know, because he believed in in Jesus. So, James is an authority on uh, trials, obviously. And he sensed it so much that he was willing to write this letter and make sure that the people were encouraged as they were dealing with that time period. Okay, let's go ahead and we'll read the verses, or I'll read the verses, and then uh, we'll see where we get uh, James, a bond servant of the Lord and Jesus Christ. To the 12 tribes, which are scattered abroad. Greetings. And I put a little note there, rejoice. And he's trying to encourage. Okay, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Verse 9. Let the lowly brother glory in exaltation, but rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. When it is full grown, it brings forth death. Okay, verses 1 through 4, or actually 2 through 4. In this section here, he starts out by saying, counting it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, I don't think he's saying be happy about it. You know, it's not like, you know, joy is a little different than happy. And one of the things that I realized over time as I've walked with the Lord, I came to the Lord 29 years ago. Uh, today, wow, today, <laughs> my daughter was born, uh, my younger daughter was born 29 years ago today. And just real quick, uh, i am always got to give you some kind of example that really made an impact on my life. Well, this was an impact on my life. I was at the delivery end. I, uh, I that, That's kind of a funny thing to say, at the delivery end, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, forceps helping my daughter come into the world. And when the doctor delivered, well, and Judy delivered the baby. Uh, The doctor took the baby, and he looked at her like this, and he says, you're a precious little girl, and meet your father. And he handed Ashley to me, and he says, now it's your job, Dad, to raise her up right. And uh, that freaked me out, because I didn't know anything about parenthood. I was 36, and it was quite a shock. Uh, It was, but real quickly to understand why this was such an important date. When I was in junior high, I went to a Methodist, well, it doesn't matter what church. <laughs> yeah, it does, a Methodist church, <laughs> and uh, my dad didn't go to church, and one day, the past one of the things at that time, I wasn't aware of the Lord much, and I didn't like hymns, and so I was pretty much there because I had to be, and the Lord And the pastor gave me a break. He said something that affected me for 32 years or so. And he said, if you're not going to church, you're going to hell. Now, my dad was a very righteous righteous man, a very good man, but he didn't go to church. And I'd seen him help people all his life and cared about people. And he really never did talk about God. But I knew that if he was going to say my dad was going to hell, I'm not going back to that church. And I didn't. I walked away. But I was still at a point in life where I needed to be a little bit careful about how I felt about God. And I wasn't thinking about it as a junior high kid and a high school kid. I did all those things. But I never said there was no God. I claimed to be an agnostic because I wanted to cover both bases, you know. If there is no God then I can fall in that court. And if there is God, I haven't shut him out because I've decided that I want to be an atheist. And so then I had always said, as I was going through all my stages, Lord, if you're there, show me. And that's when my daughter was born, and that's when I was open to God because I didn't close the door. So it's very important for me that, that that experience proved to me that God was uh, there all along. I just had to wait to find out. And we really, by the time you're 36, you're not necessarily planning your family. Your family's already started. All right, so anyway, going on here. Notice it says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, Uh, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. I think it also produces endurance, especially in those long-term situations. I'll tell you, A trial here in the church, you know, Alberto's been through so much with his issues and, you know, with his health issues. And yet there's a man that trusts the Lord, considers it joy to be able to have the Lord in his life under all situations. And that is really an example not only of patience but of endurance, okay? And then let patience have its perfect work. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, I'd like to go back and read you just a couple of verses here from Romans, and it's five one, and it goes from five one to five, or to five. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations produce perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not, hope does not, get my page to turn here, Sorry. disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us now if you look back at that verse number 4 let the patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lack, complete lacking nothing I think the perfect work is the fact that we, for, tribulation produces perseverance And perseverance, character, and character, hope. That's a pretty perfect work in my mind. I I find that very comforting. Okay, let's see what else we have here in my notes. Okay, when James, uh, trials, trials test our faith so that we can grow in dependence on. God and rely on his strength and not ours. If you've been through a long struggle, uh, uh, there's been issues in your life that have been very disappointing, you've been hurt, you uh, you don't find it real joyful to be fired from a job, for example, or to have your 401k or whatever it is go down the tubes and uh, those types of things, whether it's health issues, whatever these trials really help us to grow in our dependence on God. We have no control over them. Another simple, or another real short uh, thing that happened with me, I had decided that after I became a Christian that I thought, and I used to teach school in the public school, I I thought it would be neat to be able to teach in a Christian school. And I ended up teaching in a Christian school for two years. And uh, it's a, the Lord took me to the school to talk to the principal because I was looking for a Christian CD, or actually it was a cassette back then. <laughs> and uh, I just went by the campus office, and I thought, the Lord's, you know, got me coming down to the bookstore to get the cassette. I saw the principal, and they had an opening in my field, and I went to teach at a Christian school. And I had prayed on the way down, Lord, if it's your will, you know, I'll get this job because you don't just get a job because you're cute and good-looking and, you know, really a lot of fun to be around. It's You know, you get the job because the Lord wants you to have that job. And it was an experience that was a good experience for uh, growing in the Lord. He wanted me there because we had chapel every day. He wanted me there to know that if I was going to be a Christian, I needed to be in the Word, and I needed to know what He had to say. So I was blessed. I was also fired. <laughs> so uh, that was not. That was one of those trials that you sit, you step back, and you go, "Wait a minute, Lord, you put me here," and I think I'm a pretty good teacher. Now, pride comes before the fall, you know. So maybe I was getting a little too prideful. I don't know, but it turned out that. <clears throat> And we had a difference in, of opinion and philosophy of how you teach. And uh, I was asked to leave. But I consider it joy. And I'll tell you why I consider it joy. As I was looking at trying to find a new job, I started learning uh, from my years of teaching. I used to paint in the summers. And I realized that if I went to paint and become my own boss, I couldn't be fired unless I wanted to fire myself. So, you know, we're like in pretty good shape there. And the funny thing is, not the funny thing, the great thing is, the first job that I had, I did on a weekend while I was still teaching. And I was paid uh, enough in two days. I wasn't going to church that day. And he didn't strike me dead for not going. But uh, it ended up in two days, I made what I would take home in two weeks at the Christian school that I was at, and so all of a sudden, duh, there's a, God's leading me somewhere, and it's turned out to be he's, He led us up here, He led us to this church, He led us through our, you know, our trials, and we've been blessed. And it's so funny because I was terribly hurt, but God was in it, and I wasn't quite ready to accept. That you know, it, it takes it takes some real challenge. It's there's a lot of challenges that we have to learn to accept. Okay, let's go on here. That's another story out of the way. I'm sorry, I, but I think it's a good example. All right. Um, as our patience, I may have said this already, but as our patience grows, so does our perseverance. Remember that. The more patient we are, the more we're going to be able to persevere through the trials. All right. <clears throat> In verses, <clears throat> excuse me, that's what happens when you get a little nervous, your throat starts to shut, it, shut down. <clears throat> all right, verses 1, 5 through 7. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to you all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now, how can we ask God for wisdom? Well, first off, uh, I think the most important thing we can do is we can pray and say, Lord, I need your help. I need to I want to know what you would have for me. But then we can't use that as the only way because if you look at this book, he's, this is what it's all about. It's he wrote the book on wisdom. He wrote the book on life. And as a result, we don't have to be blind to wisdom. We don't have we can go ahead with our life and try and make all our decisions on our own and we can try and oh, I know all about this, I know all about that. But then we also have to uh, take the results. And one of the things about wisdom is, wisdom is truly the ability to make wise decisions and practical discernment. And if if there was any evidence in the world that there is God, It's in these pages of this book when you read and you realize and you look at it and you go that's not me, but I wish I could be that person or the person that he's offering us to be. And here's an interesting thing. I have a little note up here on the top of the page. I didn't even notice it when I was making my notes, but I'd written it some time ago. It says, hope for life lies in the death of the old nature. And In other words, in order for the wisdom of this book to be able to reach us, we have to get ourselves out of the way. In order to receive wisdom, we have to do a couple of things. We have to trust God. We have to respect God. We can't doubt God. We can doubt some of the things that happen in our life, but we don't doubt God. God is all-knowing. God is, you know, uh, is our Lord and our saviors. We must not doubt him. Uh, it begins with uh, revering him. You know, a lot of times people say, "I want, uh, we need to fear God. I change fear to revere. Same kind of message I'm not afraid of God because I know he loves me, but I revere him because he loves me so much. You know, it's way more than me uh, going, oh, God, please don't do that to me. I would go, God, thank you for helping me to be a better person or helping me to grow in you. Uh, so we need to be able to pray for wisdom, Open his word, study it, believe it, and live it. The more we open his book, the more our minds and hearts will be in line with what God would have us to be. Okay, let's go on to this doubting thing. I'm not sure if I really like this example, but I I found it and I've debated back and forth. Back, In fact, this morning I put on six pairs of pants before I found a <laughs> pair of pants to wear to <laughs> church, you know. And then my wife says, why don't you just wear what you normally do? <laughs> and I go, I kind of preach this morning, <laughs> you know. I almost had a tie on. But I didn't wear the Santa Claus Hawaiian shirt. Uh, even though Judy made it. <laughs> she wanted me to wear it so I could stand up here and say, no. But I have to pick on her a little bit. She picks on me all week. <laughs> Uh, well, anyway, <laughs> she would never want to be a pastor's wife if I'm the type of pastor. That... <laughs> All right, doubting. All right. So Jesus said, answered, and said to them, "Oh, this is in the uh, when he was walking to uh, Jerusalem or some. I'm not sure what city. It came. He was hungry. Jesus was hungry. They went by a fig tree. Fig tree was dead. It had no, or it had no." fruit on it, it was still alive, it had no fruit, and Jesus uh, allowed the tree to die. And then he's speaking to his disciples, he says to them, Assuredly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask, And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. This is in Matthew 21, 21 to 22. Now, he says this, and then as, in our perspective as man, we go, yeah, right. I'm going to move a mountain because I asked to move the mountain. That's just, that is not really, in, from what I understand, it's not really, we're gonna, I'm going to be able to make Mount Palomar you know, go away. But what he's saying is that whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive, believing in him. And what will happen then is if we have trials and so on, when we can ask in prayer without doubting, then we will get some peace from it as well. He will instill that peace to us as we, as we deal with those issues. And uh, the thing is, I don't know about you, But in 29 years of being a Christian, every so often I'll be going along and I'll go, is there really a God? And it's not because something happened in my life. It's just you're living your life, you're going along, and all of a sudden you go, wow, I wish I could see God. I I, I have to have faith, you know? Uh, And so what happens is we waver. But what happens is sometimes if we waver, if we get on a wave that's going like a typhoon and coming to shore, it may overwhelm us and we may fall away from the Lord because we have not, you know, prayed or we haven't taken an opportunity to meditate on him and we've, we've decided that, oh, I, I don't think I believe anymore. And and so it's very important. And, and he says, the things that you will believe or that you will receive will be those things that, because you believe in him. Because you're strong in him. Uh, but you've got to remember, also, no matter what we pray, God, does, this does not mean that God will grant our prayers, uh, and God does not grant requests that would hurt us or others or that would violate his own nature or will. So, if we don't know his nature and will, we could be praying and we're praying for things that he's not going to grant anyway because we don't know what he expects or what he wants us to believe. So it's very important believing in him and what his will is. The stronger our belief, the more likely our prayers will be in line with God's will. You know, it's pretty simple. We have, um, there, there's another example that, is probably the one we've used and most of us have heard many times in our walk, if you read the Bible, and it's in the Garden of Gethsemane, as you know, Jesus gave this example of what our prayers should be like, and it's in Mark fourteen thirty six. Abba Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me, nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. And that's talking about his own death. This is where he was hoping, you know, I mean, he knew his, he knew what his death was coming, and yet he prayed to the Lord, not my will, your will. And I want to read something to you that came to me this morning, and this is very important, this is very special. In uh, May, (coughs) Judy's dad passed away at 99 and three quarters, he was planning his 100th birthday. And uh, the night that he passed away was very sudden. He was blessed that the Lord took him quickly. But that that early evening, he had asked his caretaker, he was living in a home with five other people, and he asked her to read something to him from the Bible. And this is what he said, and it's in Proverbs 30 and... This is uh, thirty verses seven through nine. Two things I request of you: deprive me not before I die. Remove falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you, and say, "Who is the Lord?" or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. And we never really, Judy's dad didn't go to church. Uh, we were lucky if we could get him to go to Christmas and Easter. But um, for the just a few hours before he passed away, he was asking a caregiver to share that with him. And, you know, I, it's so interesting to me that It makes so much sense, and we're going to see it even more uh, if you're looking at uh, wealth and all of that. He realized, for some reason, that he just wanted to, you know, not profane the name of God. And for a man that didn't really profess a lot of faith, he still knew the Lord. And that was a great blessing for us, especially with the sadness of his death. All right, going on. Um, One more point on with no doubting. um, It means that not only believing in the existence of God, but believing in his loving care. We must have confidence that God will help us to understand his purposes. I don't know what time it is. I'm not supposed to go too long. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I forgot something that I wanted to read to you earlier and I'm going to read it to you because I think it's very very neat. Um, back to the verses about uh, various trials and so on. I had it on a separate piece of paper and it was not out in front of me. Someone once wrote, I must carry a burden. Christ will carry me. Sometimes we must be laid low before we look high in ourselves we are weak even where we are strong in Christ we are strong even where we are weak it's not how long you'll live but how you're going to live and i don't it was anonymous but it i was supposed to read that so all right let's move on to Verses 9 through 11. Let the lowly brother glory in exultation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than, than it withers the grass. Its flower falls, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. Proverbs uh, 37 through 9. Hope I got it marked. Oh, that was the one I just... Wait, 30... Get... Start losing your... No, that was the one I just read. Uh, one of the things that's interesting, I said to Judy on the way over here, I said, so what you singing today? She says whatever you need to hear, or something like that, you know, I'm sure it'll be fine. And then, you know, we were looking here, and um, in my notes I said, God does not judge us by our financial position. He loves everyone irregardless of their wealth. God glorifies the lowly and the wealthy. I'm not, you know, it may say there in the word that, the rich man will fade away in his pursuits. He will fade away in his pursuits if the only pursuit he has is his wealth. But if he has the Lord as a pursuit, he's, going to, he's not going to fade away. He's going to be born again. He's going to have a new body and a new life. So uh, it's, I think he's speaking when he says uh, he will fade away is to the rich man that money has been his, his God. Um, but it's interesting about the thing on the songs, the words to, you can have all this world, just give me Jesus, you know, without Jesus, you have nothing really. I mean, I'm, that's my heartfelt, uh, the truth in my life is what I found. Okay. Those that are truly wealthy are those that are growing in their walk. What you have in your heart, not your bank account, is what matters most to God. And that is what en- endures for eternity. You know, I, they always say at a funeral or whatever, they don't talk about the man's wealth. They talk about his character. And, you know, that's a, a scary place to be because we're not, you know, we're human. And it's not always easy to find the character that you need, but we certainly have again the guidebook to to strive to find it in. Okay, and one other thing here uh, that would there was another example when Jesus uh, did the parable with the seeds and the sowing. He had the different, you know. Uh, Seeds that were thrown. And this one was from 418.19 in Mark. And he's talking about the seeds. And he says, now these are the seeds. These are the ones sown among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of the world. The deceitfulness of riches. And the desires of other things. Entering in to choke the word. And it becomes unfruitful. And I put in parentheses there uh, the cares of the world. That's worldly worries. The false sense of security brought on by prosperity. And if you remember, we went back earlier and, and we mentioned that prosperity does not necessarily make for a secure relationship with the Lord. Okay, so I think we're doing good here. I'm enjoying being up here. I got to tell you, it's it's a lot of fun to be up here. I uh, I I don't know. I taught school for 16 years, and I'm not as nervous as I thought I would be. But the most uh, important part of this thing is that I really feel the, the Lord's presence in me right at the moment. I'm not. I hope uh, uh, I just feel really blessed to be able to share with you. Okay, verses one twelve to 15, we're going to make it, I think, here. We better. I've put an awful lot of time in on this. <laughs> okay. Oh, by the way, and I've told Gunnar a number of times, and I hope you will, too. When you hear a message from Gunner or Ben, you know they take the responsibility very seriously. And that's why it's such a blessing to be part of this church is because they really, really focus on us hearing what the Lord has for us, and so many times I come home from church I'm all fired up and stuff, and I'm blessed that it's leading me back to where I want to be, because you get drawn away again by the worldly worries. All right, blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when it is full grown, brings forth death. Proverbs 30-5 says, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. You know, temptation is always there. There's temptation to, you know, take a few more miles on your IRS mileage for uh, your taxes. Tempted to, um, you know, cut corners when you're at a job tempted to take advantage of people when you're, uh, when they're trusting you. There's so many different types of temptation. But I think it's so neat about the Bible. Again, if we were to go through the Bible and we look at different things, I have probably spent more time in the temptation sections than any place else. And it's, a, it's kind of interesting because I don't feel like a bad person, but I know I'm always being challenged by temptation. And one of the great things that the Lord has done for us in his word is he's provided us the knowledge to know how to deal with it. And I'm going to share some of the ones that we all have heard before, but I think it fits into this message. First off, um, God doesn't just tell us to resist temptation. Throughout his word, he helps us to identify what some of our temptations are. He identifies the fruit of the Spirit. He shows us how we can defeat the enemy. And the enemy is temptation. We're tempted when we even have challenges with envy. You know, that's a temptation to to overcome. If you're envying everything everybody else has and not satisfied with what God's given you, then you're probably, you know, Allowing temptation to get in the way of your walk, but anyway, in Galatians five sixteen to eighteen Paul writes, "I say then walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, whether it's for money, whether it's for you know pornography, whatever it might be, um, but walk in the spirit, for the flesh lusts against the spirit. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things you wish. But if you are led by the Holy Spirit, you are not under the law. In other words, you're allowing God through the Holy Spirit to fight your temptation battle. Now, you know, that doesn't mean that we still won't have issues with some of our our battles. But then he identifies for us in 19 to 21 what the works of the flesh are. And this is an important part because we may not see a lot of them in that they're they're lurking all the time. For example, it says, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, rivalries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand just as I told you in the past, in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, list like that, we got a few challenges. And so what do we do with our challenges? Well, in Galatians five twenty two to twenty six, the next four verses, he repeats, He says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh in his pas- with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the spirit. This is the word of God. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Let us rejoice in the Spirit. Let us humble ourselves before God. I had a thing I wrote up about if you were a Christian and you had a moral or ethical question in your mind, would you go to a Christian friend for advice or would you go to a non-Christian friend? You know, if it's something we want and it may not be ethical, which friend are we going to go to? You know, it's a matter of how strong is our walk? And and one of the things that sometimes has been said, if you have to ask if it's ethical or if it's moral, it probably isn't. Or you, you've already got your answer. And uh, that's always something that we, we're blessed. As a member of a church and a member of God's kingdom, we are blessed that we have people that can help us through those those times of trial. And we can ask for prayer and we can ask for guidance, and and support. What we need to do simply is we have to humble ourselves before God. We have to humble ourselves before God. Now, this is the the last part of the message real quickly here. The whole armor of God and people that are in the Bible on a regular basis, I imagine there's some people in this room that when things are tough and we're challenged by... Issues at work or issues in our life that challenge, that make us uneasy. We can go to the uh, Galatians, and, or Ephesians, excuse me. And this is uh, what Paul writes there in 6.10 through 13. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And then he explains the armor of God. Ephesians six, fourteen and nine, it says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, which is God's word, right here, truth, having put on the breastplate breastplate of righteousness. How do we become righteous? We have our heart conformed and our life to the divine law. We, we change our heart, the righteousness. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, and that's the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Okay, so above all, taking the shield of faith. We have to keep that faith. And you know, it's funny. Here we have God on our side, and we're not smart enough to know that he provides us all these things and we can you know go boldly into the world and proclaim it and if people want to reject him that's not our problem you know we we can only do what god's asking us to do but that's an important one take the, the shield of faith the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen with which you are able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one And take the helmet of salvation. This is the redemption of man from the bondage of sin. The helmet of salvation. And the sword of the Spirit. Here it is. Here's the sword. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. Humble and earnest prayer in the Spirit is what praying always with all prayer and supplication. In other words, praying and asking asking him and being watchful to the end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. There's that word again, perseverance. I believe that our walk is a continuous walk where our growth never ceases. And I'm happy to be able to say that in 29 years, I've seen him so many times answer prayers in ways that truly amazed me, and it, as simple a thing as simple as ladder racks. Anybody know what ladder racks are? You have them on your wall in your garage. You hang your ladders. I I, I know this is a weird way to end this service, but I've got it. I will end in prayer, but I've got to share this with you. It just <laughs> it's just too good. When we were selling our house. It took us six months. We started at the range where it was appraised. A couple of people looked, no offers. And we dropped the price. We put a lot of money, in, or a lot of work into it, a lot of money into it, and we ex- expected it to be better. We wanted to move to Skyline Ranch, country club up there on Fairlays Mountain. We were getting anxious, because we were keeping an eye on places in Skyline Ranch, and they'd come and they'd go, and we weren't selling our place. We dropped the price. We dropped the price. And finally... We had an offer and it was, we sold the house. We had, at that time, they didn't have any houses that um, we really would work for us. But we turned it over to the Lord Lord, whatever your will, and we had that way all the time. Now I'm going to put a little barb on my wife again. Whenever I want anything, My wife says, well, we need to sleep on it and pray about it, okay? I'll just set the table with that. So we go and we make an offer on a place that doesn't meet our needs, but we wanted to move. We wanted to get up there. We had 22 days to move, and we had it inspected. And just at the last minute, I said to the man, I said, so how's your purchase going? And he goes, oh, I don't have any place to buy. You mean you're not going to be moving? He goes not at this moment. Whoa, 22 days with no place to go, and so Judy and I walked out, and she said, you know, Jackie said that there might be a place that's going to be for sale, uh, right? You know, real soon. Wasn't listed, and she, Judy and I went over there, and it ended up that. Um, Jackie said that this place, 127, was going to be available. It's supposed to be sold. And so we drove up, <clears throat> and when we drove up there, we were sitting in a car looking at it, and it looked kind of nice, and a neighbor across the street, a retired pastor, came over. You folks looking for a place? Yeah, we are. In fact, we need a place. And he goes, well, this one's for sale. It's just not listed yet. My wife's helping the lady who's sick, and I have the key. Would you like to see it? She's in the hospital or whatever. We walk in, and it's an old manufactured home. It's got ugly paneling, ugly ceiling, ugly orange kitchen. If you have an orange kitchen, that doesn't mean your orange is ugly. <laughs> but our orange, that orange was ugly. And we were looking at it, and it's got beautiful, big bedroom, master bedroom has two bedrooms on the other end, which most of them are a two bedroom up there. They would added on a family room with a fireplace. They they had a beautiful deck, and they had a porch, enclosed porch for a lot of our junk. And we're walking through there, and Judy says. We're going to take this. And I go, "What about praying about it?" And and she goes, "No, this is where we're supposed to live." She said, "I heard the Lord tell me 127." I'm going, "Yeah, right." But I trust her. She's been pretty stable most of her life, you know. <laughs> Except when I'm driving. <laughs> but so anyway, we make the off we we get the offer together, and the next morning we got to meet the lady, and uh, we made our offer, and it turned out that we got the place. Now, where does ladder racks fit into that? This house has a driveway that comes in into a carport at our front door. So when Judy's home and she goes shopping and brings home stuff, she can get out of her car, walk five feet, and into the house. I have a driveway that goes down to the shed. And not only was the shed small, but it also had room for another 10 foot by 10 foot section that I could add onto it. It was all set just to add the framing. So I had room for my equipment. But God, as I said, God knows what we need. On the shed were two ladder racks. On the trellis on the other side, there were three more ladder racks, and I didn't have to put up one ladder rack when we bought that house. So when you pray and when you live your life, trust the Lord and allow him to work in your life. Be patient. That six months was terrible. You know, raised up there playing golf, and I'm sitting here trying to, you know, figure out a way to get moved. So anyway, our gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for being in our lives Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share. I hope I didn't uh, let you down, Lord. I thank you for this wonderful church a wonderful family of God that we have. And we ask that anyone here today that may not know you would come to know you, Lord, and just uh, ask you into their life or at least give you an opportunity. Sometimes it's hard to read the Bible uh, without knowing you. Uh, I found after I accepted you, the word came alive. And as the Holy Spirit speaks through your word, and we thank you so much for all the gifts that you give us, our children, our families, our extended families, and help those people that are going through trials to be patient and to have faith and to look forward to what those trials are leading to, Lord. We thank you for being again and being in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.